G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway Podcast, the podcast that's all about intermittent fasting. I'm your host, Graham Curry from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilograms or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and have successfully maintained that weight loss. I'm also the author of the Amazon category best-selling book, The Fasting Highway, which will give you a great insight into what it's actually like to live it day to day, how to get started, what it's about, what are some of the health benefits that come from it, and how to turn it into a successful long-term lifestyle. In this series of podcasts, you'll be hearing from people from all over the world, from the beginners to the experienced and those that are on the journey. You'll also be hearing from some leaders in the intermittent fasting community, and you'll also be hearing from some past guests as we recheck in to see how they've been going. And thank you for joining us here on the Fasting Highway. Enjoy the show. G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast, and this is episode 134. And just before we get started today, I just wanted to give a big shout out to all the members of the Fasting Highway Facebook group. Uh, Come and join us there. You'll get some inspiration and motivation to get started with your own journey. Or if you have any questions around intermittent fasting, you'll find a wealth of knowledge in our group. That's the Fasting Highway Facebook group. If you're looking to read a book about a person that's actually done it and get some inspiration from that and find something that's actually relatable, uh, you'll find that in my book. That's the Fasting Highway which is available on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle. Uh, if you are in Australia or New Zealand, you can go to the website and get it, www.fastinghighway.com. Okay, folks, let's get on with the show. And I'm delighted to be speaking with Florence Valadares. And Florence lives in Los Angeles, California, with her husband and four children. And she's from the UK, but was partly raised in Spain, where she met her husband, who is Peruvian. And Florence trained as an opera singer and now is the publisher and co-founder of an arts and culture magazine in Los Angeles. And like a lot of many IFers, uh, Florence has struggled with weight most of her life. She's had a lot of trials and tribulations, and she's going to tell us about this in the podcast. So welcome, Florence. Oh, g'day, Florence, and welcome to the Fasting Highway, and thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Graham. Thank you so much for having me. Well, the pleasure's all mine. Really excited to have you here. You're a very inspiring member of our Fasting Highway Facebook group, and I'm sure your story's going to inspire people right around the world. And speaking of which, for people around the world that may not know you, Florence, if you wouldn't mind sharing a bit of your backstory and any problems you had with health and weight in your life, and sort of how did you find your way to intermittent fasting? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I struggled with my weight all my life, um, as I know a lot of people who find their way to this lifestyle have done in the past. Um, probably since I was a preteen, eight or nine, I guess I was also a child of the 80s and 90s, which meant, you know, the, the whole fat free thing, um, meal replacement shakes, all that kind of thing. Um, and lots of calorie restrictions, uh, were always seen as the way to sort of lose weight. Um, so just like lots of people who have done podcasts with you, Graham, um, it was just endless cycles of dieting, um, which would, in my case, I would lose some weight and then I would rebound, uh, binge and put it all back on and more. Um, I also grew up in the restaurant industry. Um, my family had vegan restaurants, vegan, vegan and gluten-free restaurants. So my, my life was very much, um, about food and I, and I knew a lot about food. My parents also had a, um, cooperative whole food bakery back in the seventies and eighties. So you'd think (laughs) that I should have really, uh, known, better if if you like but as we know that's not actually how it works um but I do feel like I've kind of come full circle in that regard um and ended up in a in at a point where I do understand so much more about my body now um anyway for me restricting and dieting just led to binging and putting on more and more weight um and then I had I have four children after each baby I would well I'd put weight on during the pregnancy and then and and lots of people sort of have a baby nurse the baby lose all the baby weight well it went the opposite way for me it was like I would have the baby I would stay the same weight 
And then I would gain like 20 pounds over the next year whilst I was nursing the baby. I mean, it's just the way my body works, I guess. Um, and that's way it would never really come off. Like I did yo-yo down, up and down a little bit in between, but I would just basically after four children had just put on exponential weight. Um, and you asked me, how did I find intermittent fasting? Um, a friend, a random comment in my kitchen after a kid birthday party, I think. And I was like, what? <laughs> that sounds bizarre. Uh, then at some point, I can't remember if it was that day or if it was a week later, sort of looked it up, found uh, Jin Stevens' Facebook group, which led me to yours. And the rest is history kind of thing. Yeah, that's great. And so when you started and you found out about fasting at that party, did you think it sort of sounded a bit weird or you were sort of intrigued? Or, or, and also, what did you start with? What was your protocol and why did you choose that? Yeah, it sounded completely bizarre to me. I didn't. I, I actually even remember not understanding what she was saying because she didn't really know what it was either. It was just this word, these two words, intermittent fasting. And I guess, I, I mean, I know what the word fasting means, but it's because it's two words together, it sounds fancy. I thought, I, I really didn't understand what it was at all so I was just like okay it's a new diet all right well you know always looking for some way <laughs> to um to lose the weight and get healthy so um then I looked it up and learned a little bit more um and I think it was the summer of 2019 I think I was going on a family trip and I was so embarrassed by how I looked that was so that was after the fourth baby right like a year after that um I thought okay let's look into this intermittent fasting thing properly like uh, okay I'm gonna just I'm gonna try and I did it for a month before the trip the month of August and I lost maybe 20 pounds maybe I can't remember like a, a significant amount that made me feel better for the trip that I had coming up that I was going to see family um, and I just threw myself in. I'm, I'm a little bit extreme, Graham, I just with things like this, which is a bad thing in terms of dieting, because like I would do diets like really extremely and then I would fall off the wagon extremely. So I jumped right into the intermittent fasting OMAD one meal a day, like literally from the first day, which I know isn't you know necessarily the right way to do it or the way that even I recommend to people nowadays. But being that I'm a little bit extreme, I was like, right, if I'm doing this, I'm doing it. So I went straight in for OMED, but happily, I'd had all the information about the clean fast um, from Jen Stevens and from you. Um, so I knew that all I could have was water, black coffee, black tea. So that made it easier. It made it totally doable. And honestly, I think my body, I mean, come to this later about what sort of ultra processed foods do to you um I, my body was so messed up from all the years of what I now call poisoning myself with food or food abuse or whatever that I didn't really have hunger cues anymore so it was like no big deal really for me to go uh, to not eat it just because uh, I never really was hungry and just like I was never full right I would just eat and eat and eat I, it was it was very bizarre so yeah I mean I really think there was something physically wrong with me before intermittent fasting yeah, and speaking of that, I mean, let's just wind it back a bit. You were brought up in a household with parents that obviously ate very healthy. They ran those businesses, which were keyed into the health aspect of, of eating and that sort of thing. And then it was when you had those four children and you steady gained that weight and then your sort of food habits changed a fair bit. And I think like a lot of us, you experienced that diet roller coaster where you had that sort of, you know, weight loss, weight gain, and then you came along to fasting. But when you first started fasting, if you don't mind sharing, Florence, what was sort of your stats? So what was your weight looking like, if you don't mind sharing that? And sort of when did you actually start an intermittent fasting? And sort of where are you at now? Yeah, absolutely. So I am uh, five foot seven and a half. The half is important. Um, and uh, when I started, um, it was uh, – so when I started – for real the second time because that first time in 2019 was just to lose weight for the trip um and I only did it for a month and I got back and it was like October then it was holidays then it was just forgot about it and I, I don't know I, I don't know what happened there I guess COVID whatever um and so so come uh what happened was in April okay sorry I started at 240 pounds 
in April 2020. Um, I What happened to, to make me do this, start the journey properly, was I got some kind of respiratory infection in April 2020 and uh, don't know if it was COVID or not because testing was hard to come by. When I finally did do a test, it was negative and then tried to do an antibody test, whatever. So maybe I did, maybe I didn't, I don't know. But I had three days where I didn't feel in control of my chest. Um, and maybe it was bronchitis, um, don't know, but it was very scary because of all the news at the time. We didn't know um, what this COVID thing really, you know, was going to do. Um, and and I just looked at my situation and I just thought, wow, hold on a second. I'm fairly young and I have no pre-existing conditions except that I'm obese. Like everything else is fine. All my blood work's always fine. I've never had any serious health issues but I have this big thing, which is that I'm obese. And they're saying that medical professionals are saying that this is a pre-existing condition that could make you die from COVID. And that, that was it. That was, that was my moment. So yeah, I started then at 240 pounds. Okay. So you're looking probably for sort of listeners down here, probably just over that hundred kilo marks, sort of 110, something like that. But also, did you get the message of the clean fast from the start or how are you handling your fast? What were you doing during that fast? Yes, um, happily, I had the clean fast information. Um, so I jumped straight in there at April 2020. Uh, actually, it was by the time I started it, it was end of May, beginning of June because okay. I was sick in April. Um, and I had the clean fast information and I jumped straight in again with OMAD one meal a day. And I did that for three months, which was June to August. And I remember like the first week, Graham, I lost like 10 pounds, which we all know isn't really a fat loss. That was water weight, inflammation, all those things. But it was like, boom, okay, I'm doing this and this is going to work. Um, and then after three months of OMAD, um, I kind of plateaued, which now I know is perfectly normal. But I was like, oh, no, plateauing. What's going on? So then I did ADF, alternate day fasting, for five months, which I actually really enjoyed. Okay. So you start off with OMAD. <clears throat> you went that three months. You had that initial weight loss, and you hit that bit of a plateau. So you decided to do the ADF to try and shake things up. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But let's just start, go back to the start there with your eating window. Were you eating all the things or was there anything that you sort of started restricting because you already knew what your trigger foods were that made you obese in the first place? Yeah, I mean, my relationship with food is super complicated, I think in part because of the knowledge that I had. So actually, um, a lot of intermittent, what intermittent fasting has done for me has been to heal my food issues as well as losing the weight. And in a way, all of the... Well, you know, I know we'll talk about NSVs later, but almost like the weight loss has become secondary to all the other stuff. So my relationship with food was absolutely messed up. And I spent those first months eating everything and anything, all the stuff that I had um, forbidden for myself forever, ever since I was like eight or nine, I just ate all of it. And, and honestly, I ate like crackers and butter because I'd been brought up, you know, back in the non-fat days, butter was like the devil. I must have eaten crackers and butter every day for probably three months. And now I'm not interested at all. I've been through so many different phases um, and I've really gone for all those naughties, what I would have called naughty things, which I know is not, you know, psychologically a great way of looking at it um, anymore. But yeah, all the things that I thought were off limits, I made sure I ate. And now I am in such a better place with food where it just doesn't have that power over me anymore and the things that I want are, are actually healthy not because I'm psychologically saying oh that's healthy but it's literally what I want to eat yeah so you just transitioned really into that sort of higher quality foods and you started finding yourself searching for that higher quality foods and moving away from those sort of foods that you sort of found you might have had a problem with in the past but you really loved and let's face it, a lot of very tasty foods out there aren't good for us. And it's designed like that. The chemicals and the things that are put in those foods are there for a reason. And then to make it taste good and then make us feel like we're eating something that's good when really we're not. So a lot of us can certainly resonate with that. But also we talk about appetite correction. I mean, in the first three months, did you find your appetite being corrected? Not in those first three months particularly, no. I would in my 
little hour window that I would allow myself. I would just eat everything and anything. Um, appetite correction came in for me probably, probably like eight months to a year, maybe. I mean, it's a long process, uh, but like so healing and worthwhile. So yeah, I mean, appetite correction is such a huge, one of those non-scale victories for me, um, just freedom from all that food addiction maybe, um, and all those food issues. Um, so now what I want to eat is so different to what it used to be. Um, so different. I feel like I'm a different person and in terms of quantities as well. And in terms of satiety, satiety, I can't remember how you say that. Um, feeling satisfied as well and full. I know when I'm full now. Yeah, and that's another thing. It's just time, isn't it? We practice that, you know, that feeling when we get full, not stuffed, and and just taking that pause sometimes. And it's really important too to tell people that you know when we're doing intermittent fasting, when you are, you know, eating in a period of time in a window, that you do practice that and you sort of slow down. And because sometimes we initially in those early stages we've been fasting, and all of a sudden our window opens and we just start going crazy, don't we? And then you know that's the very early stages, and then that slows down, and then you get into that beautiful rhythm where. It almost becomes a theatrical experience. And like I find out with my window, it's so great, you know, preparation of food, sitting down, the enjoyment, savouring it. Did you find that happening for you too? Yeah, one of the wonderful um, NSVs, non-scale victories, um, from this lifestyle that is just priceless is a renewed joy of cooking. I was just not into cooking at all. Like it was this big chore. You know, I got four children, a husband, like I had to cook all day, every day. And it was just this big chore. And then with the fasting, my whole attitude changed. And I just love cooking again. It's just, it's just lovely. And so I was just thinking today as I was preparing dinner, like my refrigerator is beautiful. It's full of, you know, colorful vegetables. Everybody's eating so much better just because I've been on this journey. So like my whole family is benefiting. <laughs> like I'm so much more insistent on them eating healthier foods. I've also been on a, a new bit of a journey with the whole um, ultra processed food thing. My dad put me onto a podcast by those English twin doctors, the Van Tullican brothers and um, they, they were doing that experiment about ultra processed foods because they're identical twins. So they can do it anyway. It's just been really fascinating because I mean, I knew all of this, like I was brought up like this, but it, it is interesting to come full circle and be like, okay, there are literally people being paid in a laboratory to work on the olfactory factors of, you know, a product. They put smells into the plastic wraps of ice cream containers because ice cream's frozen. It doesn't smell. So they put chocolate smell into like so that when you open it, you get this chocolate smell that makes you you know want to want to eat it or eat it next time or whatever you know they make chip packets crink even more crinkly because apparently you know a lot of it's auditory as well so you know they're paying all these experts to you know and i think being english like i always kind of thought that you know, the world was out to do good by its citizens. <laughs> Very naive, I guess. So like finding out that, you know, the food industry is so incredibly capitalist based. I mean, I should have known that, but just realizing it really to that depth, it's just been like a whole new awakening for me. So yeah, we, we've got rid of all of the ultra processed food from the house and, and I'm just cooking beautiful food from scratch most of the time. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, with four children, I can only imagine how tough that must be as well, preparing meals, especially when you're fasting. And for the parents out there, how did you sort of cope with that earlier on when you were preparing those meals for four children and a family? Yeah, it's a lot. It's um, with the uh, the sort of removal of mo most ultra-processed foods, it, 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 it's become uh, more labor-intensive. But it's also coming back to basics, you know, and the kids are happy with Here's an apple. Here, let me prepare. And, and, and I, it's planning as well. I prepare a lot of fruit in advance, chop it up, put it in the fridge so they can go grab it. Um, at the beginning, it, it didn't bother me too much. I, I remember being tripped up a, a few times testing because I am a cook, you know, obviously from the restaurant industry, uh, my family when I was younger, that's where I learned how to cook. So, you know, it, it was second nature to test um, food and that was difficult. So I had to like get good at judging salt and or get kids to 
test it uh, and tripped up a few times, like tasting it and breaking my fast, but never mind. Um, so, but aside from that, it hasn't bothered me. Like I say, I've got this renewed love of cooking, even if it's not for me. It, it's so weird. It's like, I love making these delicious, nutritious meals, even if I'm not eating. No big deal. I like it. Yeah. And I mean, what age are your children, Florence? Oh, they range from 16 uh, down to four. Okay, so they're still fairly young and that sort of thing. And it's so great that you're doing what you're doing as a role model for them as well. I mean, I, you know, I've always say that, and I've said it before, the regret of my life was that I went through my children's school years as an obese parent. And I really regret that because I knew that there were so many things that I avoided doing as an obese parent, like joining in with the swimming races or the running races and all the things that, you know, kids love their mums and dads to do at the school events and, you know, and be proud of them and cheer them on. I mean, my kids were always proud of me and they loved me unconditionally, as kids do. But deep down as an obese parent, I really regretted those years. And so I take my hat off to you for doing something, not only for yourself, but your children as well. But you just mentioned there and you touched on the NSVs, or what we call the non-scale victories, Florence, and the health benefits that we find from intermittent fasting. Just run us through some of those that came for you. Yeah. Okay. So the main one, I guess, is like healing my relationship with food, uh, what I would call like food freedom. Um, I'm not sure if food addiction was my thing, maybe, um, but definitely appetite correction. Um, also, food actually tastes so much more delicious now, uh, which is also interesting, especially when you first break your fast. And I remember, was it Dr. Fung that wrote that that's like because you need it and then as you eat more and you don't need it so much it doesn't taste as good or something like that I read that somewhere um my tastes have changed as discussed um what I actually want to eat you could literally put in front of me oh my newest obsession is artichokes because it's artichoke season so you could put an artichoke in front of me and a piece of pizza and I would a thousand times choose the artichoke not because I'm being good not because it's a wiser choice because that's literally what I want to eat and that's just for me is mind-blowing um, so also the love of cooking for everybody, um, brain clarity, that was huge. So I just don't have the brain fog anymore. Like my, the, and the energy. So I used to need to almost lie down every day after lunch to have a nap. I even remember that as like a 17 year old in double French class. And it was after lunch and I'd just be there like literally trying to prop my eyelids open. So tired after eating. Um, so I love the energy that I have. It makes me a better parent. I have more patience and I have this, this brain clarity now, not none of the brain fog that I used to have all the time. Um, I'm actually quite sad that I spent my entire adult life and the early years of my children, like what you were saying, feeling so awful so much of the time, both physically and mentally. So intermittent fasting has brought that to my life feeling better both physically and mentally um and then little things like inflammation i had like i had like sore knees and hips a few years ago maybe four years ago that's all gone um i had like a tooth this was a fun one i thought about today i have a tooth that um would be sort of niggling and the dentist said to me if, if that becomes a problem, I can't do any more for it. You're going to have to have a root canal. <laughs> um, and it would it would wake up every now and then. It would be like, hey, I'm here. You're going to have to do something about me. I went to the dentist probably three or four times about this tooth. And each time she's like, oh, maybe well, it's going to have to be a root canal. So I would always go home and be like, okay, I'll just wait then. I'll just wait. It's just gone. The, it never bothers me. <laughs> and that could be healing from autophagy or it could just be that I don't eat as much so it's not getting used as much um and then things like clothes fitting and being able to buy clothes and enjoy clothes um and fitting places like you talk about I've heard you talk in other podcasts about airplane seats yes um other chairs just in restaurants um I can sit in some of the cute little seats in the playground structure with my kids I mean it's just crazy um, and then I've found autophagy to be amazing because you'd think that having lost this amount of weight, I'd be like sagging all over the place. And I'm just not, it's just bizarre to me because I was certain after this fourth baby, I was like, Oh, I'm going to have one of those 
apron tummies, you know, like hanging tummy. And okay, I still have a tummy because I'm not at my goal yet or, or not at the point I think where my body wants to get to quite yet. Um, but it's not, it's not sagging. It's all tightening up quite nicely for, for a 40 year old, you know, like I'm not expecting miracles or anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a lot of, you know, great NSVs you've just explained there and the health benefits that come from intermittent fasting. And the thing I find is that, you know, you just talked about the ones that you've had. It's the ones in the future as well, because nearly every day something strikes me about not being obese anymore. Just something catches you. It might be something as simple as, hey, my shoelace is undone, just bending straight down and doing it straight up without, you know, having to call one of the children over to come and do your shoelaces up. All those sorts of crazy things. You you walk past a shop and you look in the mirror or the shop window and you go, wow, is that really me? Is that reflection me? And do you find that with your reflection changing so much that sometimes those sorts of things catch you off guard as well? Yep, absolutely. Walking past the window, (laughs) yeah, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's me. Yeah, definitely. And then when you say about the shoelaces, like bending down and picking up the endless toys, right? It, I, that used to be such an effort. Like I, I used to have to get down on all fours and like crawl around. But I, I can just pop right down, squatting, and then bounce back up again. I mean, it's just it is incredible. It's just life transforming. Yeah, I had to laugh. I was speaking to somebody that had kids, and they said one of their NSVs was that. It didn't hurt as much when they stood on the Lego that, you know, kids tend to leave, leave lying around all over the place. But we also, you know, with exercise, um, Florence, was that something that's part of your daily sort of routine or is it not something that's big for you? Yeah, it is now. <laughs> um, so when back when I had the, the maybe COVID back in April, my godmother, who's a, a world-renowned homeopath, Miranda, um, she told me to keep moving. She said she made me promise that I would do a one mile walk in the morning and in the evening every day, just for the chest and to keep it, you know, keep it open, um, as well as some other stuff. Um, so I did. And then that turned into a daily morning walk, which gradually turned into a daily run. And I would never have said of myself three years ago that I would be a daily runner. It still boggles the mind. Um, and I started sort of funnily enough doing like intermittent running. <laughs> so it would be, I would go for my walk, but maybe I'd jog a little bit and then I'd stop and then I'd jog a little bit more and start, until it turned into, you know, probably a year into it. I think it was about a year into it where I was running the whole mile. So now I run a mile every morning and, that, and that's it. That's all I've done so far. Um, cause I, you know, I've got the kids, so I can't really go out for long periods of time. So I just literally nip out, do my 20 minute warm up run what cool down back um but you know my hope is because of how strong my legs feel now how how things have changed from doing that exercise like i have hopes for doing more exercise i want to do um pilates i like um some weight stuff some stretching like so i do want to expand on that for sure because i just feel i it sounds bizarre because i am 40 but i feel in the best shape of my life it's it's just so bizarre yeah, that's fantastic. And let's wind back, and you mentioned there that you started off with OMAD, and then you went into that ADF after three months when you had that plateau. And I always say to people about plateaus, it's like you're walking up a mountain and all of a sudden you plateau. You come to a ridge, right? And then you sort of stand here and you look out at the view. And I feel that's a bit like the same with weight loss. You sort of have that initial loss. And then you have that period where you just settle a bit and you say, okay, well, I've had that loss. I'm doing exactly what I was doing before, but nothing's happening. You're wondering why you're scratching your head. But I think it's our body just making that adjustment after losing quite a bit of weight. And then you sort of just continue on on the path. You trust the process. And then that weight starts moving again. So let's talk about ADF. You moved into ADF. What sort of form of ADF do you do? So I did, um, because I don't do that anymore, um, but I did do that for sort of five months. And then I did... um, modified ADF for a while and then I did a bit more ADF and then now I'm at a different point but um I did the um like 38 to 42 hour fast pure fast no no down meal or anything um followed by an up day with a minimum two meals over minimum six hours I, I followed the rules um on that um and I'd have it I I think I remember I did like 
Monday, Wednesday, Friday would be my fasting days. And then Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday and Sunday I would eat. Cause then the weekends, you know, I would maybe have dinner with my husband one night or we'd do barbecue with the kids, you know? So I, I left the weekends a little bit more flexible. Um, or I might do OMAD on one of those days and uh, an update on the other day. Um, and that worked really well for a while. And I lost a bunch more weight doing that. It was good. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. And so with ADF, obviously, um, when you are doing it, it's very important, isn't it, when you have those updates to make sure you do have those at least a couple of meals over that period. And sort of for me, I've never done ADF. I've never done extended fasting because I'm a guy that just likes to eat once a day. That's just what I like to do. I like to get to after five o'clock. I just know that that's when I eat. So I've become more of an intuitive faster now. I don't have apps. I don't have clocks. I just know that's when I eat. So you moved away from that. And then what are you doing now? So I'm I'm much more at a sort of um, random and flexible point now um, where there's a fast every day, um, but mostly I will eat one or two meals a day. So um, And by meal, the first one is often just a loaded coffee. I don't actually drink coffee. I drink like a substitute thing, like a herbal mushroom thing uh, like a tea I guess um, but you know with cream and if sugar if I want it like a proper like filling drink and then I might have some yogurt and fruit maybe but I might just have the drink and that would be like the first meal and then I would have like a full dinner later um, or I'd have a, a lunch and a dinner or some days I just do OMAD still so do you know what I mean it, like depends on the day depends how I'm feeling um, but it's much more sort of go with the flow now because it also ba based on like what my day looks like because I don't have um I have a few jobs but I don't have like an office regular job um plus all the kids so like every day is kind of different yeah yeah so you're more flexible faster now over a period of time and I think that does happen for a lot of people that probably not as rigid as what they were when they first started out because you laser focused at getting the weight off at that point of course and you know, I was like that for 15 months. It was nothing was going to change me. Nothing was going to throw me out. I was just going to go and go and go until I got that weight off. I was so focused on that. And then once I did get the weight off, I thought, well, wow, okay, what am I going to do now? So then I went into the maintenance phase or what I like to call vigilance without obsession. So with vigilance without obsession, I moved into a 22 and 2 during the week. And then on the weekends, I wanted to be more flexible because one of the things I missed in the early days when I started fasting was a social aspect. I mean, I was a social animal. I was a, a creature of habit. I loved, loved being social with people. So I loved going down to restaurants with my friends, my family, my colleagues, whatever it may be, and sort of food and drink. That was all part of that. Was there any struggles early on like that with your fasting journey? Um, well, because mine started in COVID, um, it wasn't too bad, actually. And that's interesting because... <laughs> I guess one of my struggles was social eating later, but at the beginning that wasn't a problem because it was COVID. So everybody was just home. Um, yeah. Like I said, I mean, happily I didn't have huge struggles in terms of hunger and stuff. And I got used to just drinking water, having a little bit of pink Himalayan salt under my tongue if I ever felt sort of shaky or anything, but because I didn't really have normal food cues and I had a lot of weight to, to lose, um, I was really hungry, so that made fasting easier. I mean, once life opened up a little bit more, it was a little bit more. I remember being a little bit awkward at times because I hadn't necessarily told everybody what I was doing. Plus, you know, people's reactions can be, you know, negative. So to be like, oh, yeah, sorry, I can't come out for dinner because I'm not eating that day. I mean, when I was doing ADF, that, that was kind of odd. And I remember with a close family friend planning the days that we were going to have dinner because – what day are you eating, Florence? Like, you know, yep. so um, that that was a little bit odd. But um, and, and I guess the only other struggle is that um, I can't eat as much anymore. So sometimes my brain, because I do love food, um, and I sometimes my brain wants everything, but I can't just I can't do that anymore. It makes me feel ill, um, and uh, and I don't even want to. So it's kind of a weird place to be. It's like I kind of want to, but I don't really want to. So that's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's all those things. That's sort of the mental part, you know, and sort of 
I always say to people, the mental side of this is about 95%. Maybe it's even more of that because the actual process of fasting is quite simple. You fast in a period of time, you eat in a period of time. And that sounds simple and it is, but the mental part of it is a different ball game because you've got to get yourself into that right headspace to be able to fast, to be able to recognize the difference between true hunger and what's just head hunger. And then you've got to come to your eating window and you've got to make those decisions for yourself. I always like to say, I want to eat what makes me feel my greatest, not whatever I want. Because eating whatever I want, that made me as obese as I was in the first place. And so I make those decisions daily that my window has to be worthy because it's not going to fly. Because there's no way that I'm fasting all day and then filling myself up with some you know, toxic, ultra-high processed foods that... I just don't want, and they really destroyed a great deal of my life. And, you know, I have a lot of regret about that. So how's your relationship with food now? Do you have any sort of regrets? I mean, we can't change the past, but we can change the future. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any regrets about about the lifestyle. Um, I regret not knowing about it sooner. I find it hard to believe that it took me till I was 38 to find the magical, you know, formula that works for me um so no i don't think i really have any negatives about the lifestyle just regretting you know not having had all that energy for all the kids when they were all little (laughs) yeah i think a lot of us are in the same boat there but you know we sort of talk about also the maintaining i mean you're coming in that phase now I mean, when you sort of got to that stage where you're getting towards that point or you are at that point, sort of what do you think you're going to do in the future? How is it going to change? You mentioned that you're more intuitive now, you're changing around, you're more flexible. Is it just something you're going to have in the toolbox fasting as you go on? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I will will never go back to the way that I lived before. Never. Um, I'm still looking to lose a bit more weight. Um, I, I think I got off track earlier and didn't say what where I'm at now so I'm sort of hanging around 170 pounds now so that's a loss of 70 pounds over you know two years I guess um and I am going to just keep actively trying to lose weight in, in within the lifestyle until my body just kind of sits you know where and and I my first goal was 165 actually so I'm I'm still not actually at my first goal um but also if I stayed here forever that would also be fine um I'm quite happy with how I feel and look but I mean I think I will release more weight because I don't think I'm meant to be I think I'm meant to be a bit smaller and I know I have I have excess um and uh, the only reason that I set that first goal was because it was like the upper level of my BMI, BMI range. And I know what, you know, BMI isn't the be all and end all, but I needed some kind of goal to go for. So that, that was my first goal. Um, and so I am going to continue to eat like I do and see where I end up. And every now and then, I mean, I still do throw in a extended fast as in, I mean, not very, just the sort of 42 hour kind of one every now and then. If I ever feel like my first, food relationships are being a little bit you know because this is not perfection right so every now and then lots of birthday parties or something lots of cake I can feel that old mentality setting in a little bit or or, you know sugar addiction probably eventually I will go the way you've gone and get rid of sugar altogether but I haven't yet um and so I I will throw in a um alternate day fast like a, a, an extended fast and, and that just sets me right back up. So I, I actually enjoy those every now and then. The only downside for me is because I don't do it regularly anymore. Like I can't sleep <laughs> that night because I'm just wired, you know. I, I'm sure you've heard other people say that as well. When you fast for a whole entire day and you go to bed, like you're just wide awake. Um, but I, I love it. I love how I feel. So um, I, yeah, so I, I can totally see myself eating like this for the rest of my life. I have no desire to go back to eating the way so many people eat. Um, and I actually believe that we eat way more than we need to as a species anyway. Um, and I'm here for all the NSVs of not eating so much energy, food freedom, brain clarity, etc. Like I could never go back. Yeah, I think a lot of people, it's full circle, isn't it? I mean, our ancestors, they were hunter-gatherers. So they ate when yep. they found food. Food was scarce. 
Then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, food became available. Then it became everywhere. You know, if you see photos of people in the 70s down at the beach and that big crowds, you don't see many obese people. You don't see any many overweight people. As a child, I don't remember growing up with a lot of obese people around me. I mean, at school, I was probably one of five or six kids that was obese. Most kids in the 70s were fairly fit and healthy, you know, and that sort of thing. And there wasn't many obese children at my school. And I think that's why I became a target for the bullies, because I was just different. And then when I went into my, you know, later life and it sort of become the normal, really, you, you sort of walk down the street and sort of every second or third person was, you know, either overweight or obese. And, and that's just getting worse. So I feel like us as fast as we've come that full circle, we're now making food scarce again. You know, we're living off what we need, what our body needs. We have enough dense nutrients sort of foods to keep us sustained. We don't have to eat like, you know, cows grazing all day in a paddock, you know, every five minutes. And that's what I used to do. And that's what led to my obesity. And I ate all the wrong foods. But it's just, it is that full circle, isn't it? Yeah, and getting back to pure foods, whole foods. I mean, I know we all know of this, but it's just hard living the reality, isn't it? Nowadays in the modern world where everywhere you look, there's convenience food, you know. I mean, our family... um, considering my background and health foods i mean it's really bad where we ended up here in america but it's like everywhere like every single function we would go to every event every kid event every adult event there's food everywhere plentiful food and all the processed food um and so it just niggles in and then you know it's easy to grab a bar or to grab the whatever for the kids it's easy you know it's easier it's easier that's why everybody does it and it's cheaper you know we know why um it's a big industry and it's, it's all about, you know, shelf-stable food and cheap food. And um, it's, just, it's just not good for us. Yeah, so definitely full circle. Yeah, it is. And, I, you know, we're in a non-judgmental lifestyle as well. So we don't judge people for what they eat or the decisions that they make. They've got to do that for themselves. But if I say to people, come, they come to me for mentoring or whatever, and they're saying, oh, I'm struggling, I'm saying, okay, what are you doing? Well, you know, what's going on in your window? And then you get that out of them. And you say to them, well, are you really looking at yourself in the mirror and, and giving yourself the best chance here? Yeah, and also – you know, everybody's journey is their own, isn't it? I mean, you know, you could have said all those things to me two years ago and I'd have still made those bad choices uh, for me. Um, but I feel like uh, that that's why intermittent fasting is so important, I think, um, is because it resets yeah. your body. You know, like one I, this doctor, I remember talking about people with obesity and um, living with obesity. And she was just saying it's not... It's not their fault. It's not our fault. Like I blamed myself for 38 years. I mean, not because not when I was little, but you know what I'm saying? Like my whole life, I I told myself it was my fault. I didn't have willpower. It was all my fault. And look at all these people out there who are better than me because they have willpower. And that's not actually true. The truth is, is that your body, if it's working correctly, um, it goes for it makes different choices. So it's all very well saying, gosh, how can you do that? And then eat? like, logically, you know, that's bad food. I mean, we all, we've all been there. We know it. We know it theoretically. But until your physical body actually changes, it's a, it's a biological thing. And that's why all of this convenience food is so bad because they're talking about the fact that it might even alter your DNA. And like, it has all these effects that we don't, we're not even aware of. It's not just that junk food has not very much nutrient not very much nutritional value it's also that it's messing up your signals inside you know it's, it's way more complex than i can understand but I, and i don't think we even fully know uh, the long-term effects but i i'm just saying like i don't judge at all i've been there i was there for my whole life um and i would just encourage anybody who's at that point to just try intermittent fasting because you might find that it resets your body back to you know a natural way to be. I've really enjoyed talking to you today, Florence, and I find you very inspiring. But if you had to sort of sit down and say the best thing about IF and even the worst thing, if you could find something worse. Okay. um, The best thing. Oh, it's so hard to choose. Mm, The energy, maybe the energy. And the food freedom, maybe, like not fighting in my brain every waking moment about food. Um, 
The worst thing. Hmm. Mm, trying to stop myself telling everybody about it all the time. <laughs> I'm not sure there is a worse thing. No, there yeah. probably isn't, and you're right. Sometimes it, it is it is a bad thing for us when we just continually want to talk about it, you know, and sometimes people say, hey, you know, you talk about this a lot, you know, let's talk about the rugby or something else. You know, I had some mates <laughs> just last week. I was in New Zealand. I flew over there to watch a game of rugby island in the All Blacks and, Unfortunately, my oh. team, the All Blacks, lost, but that's another story. And, oh. you know, my mate said, oh, you know, you, you talk about our fasting a lot, man. You, you, you used to talk about this sort of stuff. You know, you used to just, you know, not talk about it. But we really, you know, are proud of you of what you've done, and they all, all want to know about it. And um, they just said, hey, man, just maybe you need to tone it down a bit. Just have a bit of a break from it, you know. Just step back from your podcast, step back from your group, step back from everything else you do, and let's just enjoy the rugby trip. And so that's what we did in I sort of wound down after a couple of days, but I guess when you're so immersed in it, it does take a little while to pull back, doesn't it? Yeah, and you, and you want to help people as well. And, yeah, I mean, I, I've made it a rule now. I don't talk about it unless I'm asked. And then I say, how much do you actually want to know? Like, do you just want a basic snapshot? And do you really want to know? Because if you really want to know, I will happily spend an hour tonight sending you emails and links and info. Like, you know, like if you – because I want to help people. I want to put them onto you and to Jin and your books and – you know, all of that kind of thing, obviously, because it, for me, it's been completely life changing. So, um, but you know, otherwise I don't, I just don't mention it anymore. Um, and people say to me all the time, it's so funny because my kids are like, mom, people tell you, you look good all the time. It's not a little bit like, you know, cause now politically correctness, you know, Graham, like you're not supposed to say to people really, Oh my God. Wow. Did you lose loads of weight? You know, it's, it's considered a little bit rude. So people say all the time, Oh, you look so great. And so now I'm at the point where I'm like, oh, thank you. And then move the conversation on, you know, because I also don't want my kids listening to this all the time as well. It's boring and it, it's a little bit too focused on what you look like. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And I think that just becomes a time thing again. Um, I know, you know, people will just like absolutely freak out when they'd seen me. They haven't saw me, seen me for a while. You know, I had people walk clean past me in the street that have known me for 20 years. They didn't recognize me and your family just see you as you and that's I mean I have to give a shout out to my husband who is just never ever ever been bothered not in a bad way not like I'm not bothered but like has loved me every size every shape like really is not a thing for him at all good men love like <laughs> yeah. unconditionally and doesn't matter yep. what size it was they have you should love them like that anyway but you know, I think that is great. So the support networks for you have been really great. You didn't have any kickback from anybody about intermittent fasting on your journey so far. I guess being locked away in COVID made that easier. It did. And I didn't really tell people initially because we were locked down in COVID. And also because, Graham, you know, when you've done a thousand different diets, like it's, what are you going to do? Say, oh, I'm trying something new. I'm so bored of it by that point. Um, so I didn't really tell anybody what I was doing. And I didn't have to because we were locked in, COVID, in, in lockdown. And then... Um, yeah, so my husband's super supportive. Kids didn't really notice that, that explain it to them at, at some point, you know, but they were cool with it and like they could totally see that mom's still eating. Like I didn't want them to think there was anything weird going on. Um, and, and now they understand and they're aware of it and they, they don't think it's weird at all or disordered eating or anything. Um, and, and then, yeah, there were some people I think that thought it was odd and bizarre. Uh, but what does it matter? We're just doing what? what we what we know is good for us you know yeah and i always say to people surround yourself with your biggest cheerleaders you know when you're doing this don't listen to the naysayers and the people that are trying to pull you down because you have to do this for you at the end of the day you're doing it for your own health you're doing it for your own benefit you're not doing it for them you know you just might have a few catalysts in your life like you your four children your, your loving husband and all those sorts of things so you know do it for you and not for anybody yeah. else and nobody has to put up with pushback this is your journey. Yep. This is your health. So just they always say that to people. But Florence, we're getting towards the end of the podcast now, but I really want to draw down on some of your experiences. And if you were sitting around in a cafe with a bunch of friends there and, you know, you were talking about intermittent fasting and they said, hey, Florence, what is that? And how, how do we start? What would you tell them? Well, I would say, contrary to what I did, I would say start slowly with something that you can manage easily. So maybe like an 18 uh how's it go 16 8 or an 18 6 or something you know because I have I have given a few friends little pointers to start you know and I'm just like if you can just extend your 
coffee drinking out a bit and then bring your dinner up a bit you know just make the amount of time that you're consuming just smaller (laughs) um you know I I would I would suggest that and then I would and I would say because the reason for that to start slowly is because I feel like it has to be easy in order to be able to continue you know, I was on a mission from, from this whole fear of dying from COVID and my kids and everything. I like, I went, I went on a total mission. So I was able to like be really extreme, but I, w- I would say that most people fail on diets because it's because they're, they're difficult. They don't fit with life or something throws you off and then it, and then it's all over and you um, go off on a binge or whatever, or you fall off the wagon. I mean, I would suggest that you start slowly and something that you can, that you can uh, manage that's easy to continue and then just build from there um yeah yeah good advice and that's right start slowly there's no rush this is a lifestyle and i always say to people now look maybe kick off with a 16 and 8 even if you find that difficult kick off with a 14 and 10 it doesn't matter work up to it you know you've got the rest of your life to get into this and then you know build up that fasting muscle then when you feel confident enough go into something stay in your comfort zone most of all be patient be patient, yeah. be kind to yourself, and, you know, be really – give yourself grace if something goes wrong. Just go back to what you were doing. It's okay. It's all right. You don't have to sort of beat yourself up in this lifestyle. If you have an off day, it's okay. It's a you day tomorrow. So, but anyway, Florence, I can't tell you what a joy it's been to have you here on the Fasting Highway with me today, and thank you so much once again. Thank you so much for having me, Graham. It was wonderful. Lovely to meet you. Thank you. And you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Florence. Really enjoyed that chat with you. Very bright and breezy chat it was indeed, and I really loved it. And I think you're a very inspiring person, and you're going to go on to inspire many people around the world that will listen to this podcast. So thank you once again for sharing your inspiring story with us on the Fasting Highway. Also, folks, uh, as we said there, if you are looking to get some motivation and stay plugged in with a tribe of like-minded people, uh, come and join us there in the Fasting Highway Facebook group. Uh, You'll get some help with any questions you may have about getting started and what to do when things may not go quite to plan. Also, if you're looking to read a book about somebody that actually did it, what it's like and something that you can relate to that's laid out in a simple way without being bogged down in all the science, uh, you'll find that in my book, The Fasting Highway, uh, which you can get on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle. Anyway, folks, uh, until next week, be well, be safe, and remember, clean fasting is everlasting.